Good day, all. Welcome to another episode of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamla D., here to teach you Bible truth. Not my truth, Bible truth. Bible truth allows you to grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Here we rightly divide scriptures that contain the true and living God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on. Get your Bibles. Invite family and friends. Take notes. And let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday, September the 23rd of the year 2023. However, when you hear this message, it will be Sunday morning, September the 24th. And for various reasons, I don't want to get into that um, it will air tomorrow. Now, let me say this before we start. My heart is in the right place. I pondered on this, this topic for quite some time. And when I say for quite some time, I mean for over a year. I wanted to make sure my heart was in the right place and my rationale behind teaching this message was in the right place. I prayed about it. I did a lot of studying. I did a lot of research and I wanted to make sure the right time was the right time. And God told me that now is the right time. Now, I know this will be a controversial message to many, but it's not controversial to me and it's not controversial to God because I'm sharing the truth and my heart is in the right place. I must get that into your spirit that my heart is in the right place. I have nothing against people. I have everything against what cults, denominations, and religions teach, especially when they mention Jesus. Islam mentions Jesus in the Quran or Quran. They are spelled differently, but they both mean the same thing. So what I am going to share today is entitled, the foundation of Islam and what Islam has to say about Jesus. Any religion that teaches contrary to God's redemption plan written in the Holy Bible, I will challenge. Now, in 1908, Dr. Samuel Zwimmer underestimated the Muslim challenge when he said Islam would die out in a hundred years under colonialism. At that time, there were 230 million Muslims in the world with only 28 Christian missionaries working among them. A century later, the Muslim population has multiplied seven times to include well over, check this out, a billion people. That means there are two Muslims for every born-again Christian, my Lord. According to modern trajectories, those who practice Islam 
will surpass the total population of evangelicals, Pentecostals, and Catholics by 2050. Therefore, Islam will become the largest religion in the world. And what I have to say to that is thank God we don't need religion to be saved or be reconciled to God. Today, there is only one Christian missionary for every 420,000 Muslims. 40% of all non-Christians practice the Quran, commonly known as the Quran, as interpreted in the life of Muhammad Ibn Abdullah, who is the foundation and creator of Islam. He lived from A.D. 570 to A.D. 632. The Quran and the Prophet's biography are also the principal sources of history and Islamic law, which is also known as Sharia. Located in a prophetic book called the Hadith, it's a book of what Muhammad said and did, like the New Testament says about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. The Hadith is the oral traditions of Muhammad. Now today, these two books of authority, the Hadith and the Quran, are the foundations to which Muslims turn for their religious authority, which applies to all aspects of their lives. ISIS and 26 other radical Islamic groups adhere to the teachings of these two books. Islam is primarily a religion of law, anti-Christian, which is polemic. The Islamic mission is associated with the jihad, conquest, and apocalyptic expectations. Islam means submission to Allah. And a Muslim is one who submits to Islam. Now, one does not understand Islam simply by reading the Quran because it is elliptical. It's, it's, it's a little difficult to understand. Now, not like the Bible. You know, there's some people, I, I, I don't understand the Bible. There's a difference between not understanding something and something not making sense. Now, I have read the Quran. I have read uh, excerpts from the Hadith. A lot of it just doesn't make sense. It's not difficult to understand, but it just doesn't make sense. Only after having read the earliest biography of Muhammad alongside the Quran or Quran might one understand Islam. For the Quran, it purports to be the word of Allah given to the prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah. In episodic revelation, if you will, over the last 23 years of his life. As I said before, Muhammad lived from A.D. 570 to A.D. 632. Now, more importantly, the earliest surviving biography about the prophet was written, listen to this, 135 years after Muhammad's death and survives in Ibn Hisham, which was written over 200 years after Muhammad. Now, this is quite late when compared to when the Gospels about Jesus Christ was composed. Jesus died around A.D. 30. Paul wrote from about A.D. 45 to A.D. 60. John, the last of the Gospel writers, died in A.D. 95. 
That means that all of the New Testament was penned between 15 and 65 years of Christ's early ministry. Now, eyewitnesses of Jesus were still living when the Gospels were written and circulated and, and preserved among a, a, a persecuted community motivated to preach and keep the early testimony of the Messiah. Now, in the case of Islam, on the other hand, historian Ibn Ishaq, A.D. 767, was a great-grandchild of Muhammad's generation. His time and the prophets were separated by the chaos of conquest. His words lacked any surviving eyewitnesses, and in many instances, they included contradictory oral traditions. Sahai al-Bakari is the most authoritative compilation, but it was written, listen now, in AD 870. That's over two centuries removed from Muhammad's death. Now, the book drew, talking about the Hadith and the Quran, this book drew from 600,000 traditions, which Bakari cut down to 7,397. That means Bakari rejected 592,603 traditions about Muhammad. The Hadith and the Quran simply cannot be trusted. I'm sharing this so you can know how the, how the Hadith and the Quran came about. The four earliest surviving Muhammad biographies penned by Ibn Isham Waqadi, Ibn Sa'ad, and Al-Tabari record 86 battles. The first biography is replete with accounts of killing, assassinations, beheadings, mutilations, stealing, taking wives, concubines, lying, slavery, torture, forced conversions, and rape. Now, indeed, nearly 75% of the 815-page book called Life of Muhammad covers the Muslim battle campaigns, which is also known as Mahazi. In these writings, Muslim armies killed one million Christians as well as Jews, pagans, and Zoroastrians in the first 10 years of the Islamic conquest. Now, within a century, 50% of global Christianity was under Islamic rule, including the Middle East and, and Northern Africa. Islamic violence flows directly from the 164 jihad verses in the Quran. And I'm getting ready to quote some of the writings in the Quran, which promotes violence. Surah, they don't go by scriptures. They go by uh, surah, which means row, like row, row, row your boat. So in surah 9.5, it says, slay the idolaters wherever you see them. Surah 929 says, fight those who believe not in Allah. It's just full of violence. And Surah 47.4 says, when you meet in battle, those who disbelieve, then smite the next. Surah 2, uh, 2.16 says, fighting is prescribed for you. Now, in a book entitled, In the Life of Muhammad by Giliami, Battle narratives include the facts that 600 to 900 Jews were beheaded, and that's on page 464 in this book. Abi Sufayan had to accept Islam or lose his head. That's on page 547. 
a female poet was assassinated for being critical of Muhammad. That's on page uh, 676. Muhammad gave permission for Muslims to tell lies in warfare. That's on page uh, 367. And mutilations were approved on page 322 to 387. Muslims attack the Bible, Christian theology, and the historical foundations of biblical faith. Now, this is done with the understanding that if the Bible is true, that means that the Quran and Islam cannot be true. This is why they attack Christianity so much. Muslims choose to believe what one man wrote 600 years after the Bible was written. One man, Muhammad. He wrote the Quran 600 years after the Bible was written. He wasn't even living around that time Jesus walked the earth. Muhammad said the angel Gabriel met him in a cave and told him to write the Quran. The holy prophets of old and the apostles wrote the Bible. They were led by the Holy Spirit. They wrote the Holy Bible in a timely fashion led by the Holy Spirit. Now the Quran challenges the Bible on many key points. It insists that, listen to this now, Jesus is not the son of God. That's written in Surah 4, 171. Jesus was neither crucified nor killed. That's in Surah 4, 157. Main, they maintain that salvation is by works, written in Surah 5, 9 and Surah 42, 26. It notes that Jesus said not to worship him is written in uh, Surah 5, 1, uh, 116. And teaches that God is not a trinity. That's in Surah 4, 171, which says, say not three, desist. It is better for you. Allah is one God, far be it from him or far be it from his glory that he should have a son. Now, let, let me, this, this really vexed my spirit when I read this part. Because Allah has nothing to do with Jesus. Allah is a pagan God. Let me get that out the way first. Okay. Jesus is the son of the living God. The Bible not only says that Jesus is the son of God, which I am getting ready to prove through a multitude of scriptures, but Jesus was also God in the flesh as well. Now, let me prove through scripture what I am talking about. Now, you can go to Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. I will be reading from the LSB. It is the Legacy Standard Bible, one of the most accurate from the original scriptures that exist today. It says, and before I, I, I move forward, you can pause the tape, find the scriptures, and then press play. We will be in the same place. Okay, you have the opportunity to do that. It says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is Jesus asking his disciples who people say that he is. He really wanted to know who the, who the disciples, his apostles, thought he was. Uh, beginning at verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17, and Jesus answered and said to him, bless are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar means son of. So it can also read Simon, son of Jonah. It says Simon bar Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now it is God who reveals to every individual seeking the truth about him, who Jesus is. You have to have an open heart and an open mind so that God can reveal to you who Jesus is. Your heart cannot be tainted. 
You have to want to seek the true and living God. Now, you can write down now or go to 1 John chapter 5, and I am reading verse 20. This is the New King James Version. It says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. My Lord, my Lord. Now, John chapter 1, verse 33 and 34. This is still the New King James Version. This is John the Baptist talking. Verse 33. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, this is God who sent John the Baptist and said to him, Upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And verse 34, my Lord, John chapter one, verse 34. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. Now, let me tell you a little bit about John. John was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was in his mother Elizabeth's womb. You can read that in Luke chapter 1 verses 11 through 17. John's sole purpose on this earth was to pave the way for Christ, the Messiah. God confirmed who Jesus was when the Spirit descended upon Jesus during his baptism. When when John was baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, the spirit shaped like a dove descended upon Jesus. God sent proof so that John could not be deceived. And if, uh, if you familiar with these passages, these scriptures, John the Baptist asked Jesus, are you the one that was to come or shall I look, or look for another? You couldn't deceive John. You could not deceive John. And so you also can read, uh, Isaiah chapter seven, verse, verse 14 and chapter nine, verse six, that talks about a virgin having the child of God. You can also read Matthew chapter one, verse 18 through 23. Now God came to earth as his son, which is difficult for people to comprehend, but make no mistake about it. Jesus was also fully God in the flesh. Now you can go to Colossians chapter two. I will be reading verses eight through 10. And this is still, um, this is the new King James version. Okay. And it says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, this is verse nine, I'm reading verses nine and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So now go to John chapter one. I will be reading verses one through 14 and I am continuing in the New King James Version. Now, if I call out a version that I am reading, and move on to other scriptures. 
I, I want you to know that un unless I call out another version, I am continuing in that version that I named. Okay. So I won't have to keep saying new King James version right now. I'm reading from the new King James version. Okay. John chapter one, verses one through 14, beginning at verse one, it says, now this is me confirming that Jesus was God in the flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. This is talking about Jesus, the Christ. Verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 says, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own, the Jews did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. And I want to digress for a second right here. John chapter one, verse 12 confirms that everybody is not a child of God. It is clear, but as many as received him, him who Jesus to them, the ones who received Jesus he gave the right to become children of God. So if you haven't received Jesus, you are not a child of God. To those who believe in his name, verse 13 and 14, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. Before I complete verse 14, Go back to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and the word was God. The word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the walking word of God. The word was God and it became flesh and it dwelt among us, John was writing, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Have mercy, Lord. I get fooled when I read about this because I know who Jesus is and what he can do for you. They literally were with Jesus. They were literally with God in the flesh. They saw what he did. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal people who was dying from diseases. They got right up and walked and started glorifying God. They saw him deliver people. They saw him deliver people from demonic spirits. They saw him cast demons out of people. They were with the living God. So you think I'm going to believe someone who never saw Jesus, never walked with him, never talked with him, was not there to see what he did, the miracles that he performed. And the person that they are following, the teachings of someone they are following, never did these things. And you think I'm going to take their word for who Jesus was? I'm sorry. Now, as it relates to worshiping Jesus, the answer to this question hinges on Jesus's identity. Now, if Jesus is regarded as God in the same, 
uh, sense as his father, then we should worship Jesus. I just proved to you through scripture who, that Jesus was also God in the flesh. So what do you think every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord means? You can read Philippians chapter two, verses five through eight and verses 10 and 11. What you think that mean? We only bow to God and confess that someone is Lord if he is God. Okay. In Titus chapter two, verse 13, Paul called Jesus our great God and savior. And you all know the conversion of Paul. Paul was one of those who persecuted Christians, who jailed Christians, who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. Stephen, who was the, one of the first deacons of the church. Stephen was not an apostle. He was an evangelist. Now, Paul, while on the road to Damascus, encountered Christ. And this was the risen Christ. You all know the story. Read, read uh, Acts chapter nine, Paul's conversion. And Paul knew from that moment on that Jesus was real. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Now, you can also read Hebrews chapter chapter one, verse two. I'm going to call out these scriptures. I did not want to uh, read all of these scriptures or quote all of these scriptures to you um, because it would have taken all day. So um, Hebrews chapter one, verse two, as it relates to who Jesus is and worshiping Jesus. Um, you can also read verse eight in Hebrews one, John chapter one, um, verse one, uh, three. We read those scriptures. Jesus was worshiped in the gospels. You can read Matthew chapter two, uh, verse 11, Matthew 28 verses nine, um, and, and verse 17, Luke chapter 24, verse 52, John chapter nine, verse 38, uh, John chapter 20, verse 28. The Bible teaches the deity of the father, John, uh, chapter six, verse 27, Romans chapter one, verse seven, first Peter chapter one, verse two the deity of the Holy Spirit. Remember God, the father, God, the son, uh, God, the Holy Spirit is in Acts chapter five, verses three and four, first Corinthians three and verse 16. The Bible says there is only one God that's in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four and first Corinthians chapter eight, verse four. Now I will say this and I'm saying this with love. I'm not sure how Muhammad Ibn Abdullah and Muslim scholars missed these important scriptures about Jesus when they tried reading the Bible, because that's the only place they could have gotten Jesus from. Remember, the Bible was written 600 years, I think 632 years before Muhammad wrote the Quran. Okay, I don't know what spirit Muhammad was listening to, but it wasn't the same spirit that was in Christ. Let me say that. And I'm here to tell you they didn't. They didn't miss it. They don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus, nor can Muslims or any other non-believer understand the Bible or the things of God because they are not born again of the spirit, which simply means born from above. Now, in John chapter three, verses three through six, Jesus told Nicodemus, this is what Jesus told Nicodemus. Listen very carefully, and I will uh, explain the scriptures as, as I uh, read them. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, which means born from above, he cannot see, which means understand or come to know the kingdom of God. Now, this word see here in the Greek means understand or come to know. 
It's just like us speaking in English. You know how often you may uh, be listening to a friend or someone explaining something to you and then you say, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. You really mean I understand what you're saying. That is what this means. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This tells us Nicodemus had no clue as to what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus explains in verse five, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which means the word of God and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now being born of the spirit means being born from above. Verse six says, that which is born of the flesh, which is born from your earthly mother and father. And that which is born, uh, wait, he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you are born from your mother and father, you must be born again to become a child of God. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So when you are born of the spirit, meaning born from above, you become a child of God. That is your recreated sinful nature is reborn. You are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. That is how you are born again. Okay, this is what Jesus was talking about. Now, these scriptures clearly tell you who Jesus is, not was, who he is. Now, I could pull scripture all day showing you who Jesus is, but to a non-believer, it is a waste of time, saints. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, meaning hidden or covered, it is veiled, hidden or covered to those who are perishing, those who are dying, those who walk in dead. That's, that's what they are doing. Verse 4 says, whose minds of the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, who is the image of God. Here we go again, who Jesus is, should shine on them. Now, the God of this age is Satan. Okay, read John 14, 30, where Jesus said that he had to go because the God of this age is coming and he has no place in me. Now, you know, he wasn't talking about God, the creator of the heavens and earth, because that's the God who was 100% in Jesus. He was talking about Satan. That's why you see all of this destruction going on, hate increasing, iniquity increasing. It's called the mystery of iniquity. It is increasing because the end times are definitely near. But to my sisters and brothers in Christ out there, do not allow what you see and hear going on in this evil world to damage your faith in the Lord because he has you. Trust me, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the devil can only blind the minds of unbelievers if you are looking for a reason not to believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. Satan will be more than happy to assist you, okay? Don't give him a foothold to come in because he will set up shop and have you gone stone crazy. That's who Satan seeks. He seeks those who are on the fence about Jesus. Now, Muslims, I must add, are not on the fence. They straight up in your face don't believe Jesus is the son of God. Satan has already blinded their minds and they will put on a bomb and blow themselves up for Allah. 
but you won't read no, not one scripture in the entire Bible, old or new, where God tells you to put on a bomb and die for him. If they don't believe in Jesus, his son, if they don't believe in him, Jesus tells them to, to shake the dust off the bottom of their feet and move on to the next town. He never told them to kill anybody, behead anybody, he, anybody because he didn't come to destroy man. He came that man may be saved through him. He didn't come to kill anybody, nor did Jesus ever, ever tell any of his disciples to go and kill anyone. Uh-uh, you won't find that in the Holy Bible. Okay, now they don't believe that that he was the final prophet, you know, to walk uh, this earth to show us and tell us who God truly is. Muslims don't believe that. And they really can't comprehend that Jesus was fully God, uh, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in that. Jesus was also fully man in the flesh. That is how he could identify with mankind. He had to put on flesh because God's spirit, his Holy Spirit can identify with the flesh. It can't. So this is why Jesus had to put on flesh to come to this earth because he existed in the in the beginning from the beginning of time, which is why he is also known to be the eternal Christ. He was in eternity. He was in what we call eternity's past. He could only identify with man if he put on flesh, which is why he had to be born of, of, of flesh, which is the Virgin Mary. Okay. She was a sinner. However, she was a virgin. So she was not tainted with sexual immorality. And for Jesus to be fully born again, he could not be born of the corruptible seed of a man, which is why Joseph was his legal father, but not his biological father. God impregnated Mary with his seed. That's who Jesus is, saints. This is complicated to those who are not born again. This is one of the reasons we have to be born again of, of, of the water and of the spirit so that we can communicate directly with God. Hallelujah. When we are born again, God places the seal of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that's why Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shared abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. You can only walk in love and not hate if you are sealed with that Holy Spirit. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. He can identify with every hurt and pain that we walk this earth with today because he was fully man in the flesh and he was fully God in spirit. And so now he understands, but you got to remember he didn't sin. He could have, he was tempted just like we were, but without sin. And the reason why he was tempted is because his flesh wanted to do it, but he didn't sin. You can't be tempted, tempted by something you don't want to do. He wanted to do everything he was tempted by, but he didn't do it because his spirit man took over. And that's why those who are born again, you have to make a choice to either sin or not. Now we can make a choice. We needed the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why when Jesus, before he left, he had already walked this earth before he was getting ready to go on Calvary to die. He said, I got to send you guys another helper. I got to paraphrase here because you need to understand this. I must send another helper to, to remain with you and be with you because he know they couldn't do it without help. He did it and he was God in the flesh and he was tempted, but he didn't sin. Man needed another helper. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because I would either be in prison right now, locked up. Okay, I thank God I'm born again. I thank God because I would have uh, walked in hate, but I walk in love. I'm incapable of walking in hate because the love of God is shared abroad in my heart. I love man. 
I know how to stay away from man, but I can still love him from a distance. It doesn't matter what they do to me. doesn't matter what they say about me. I'm talked about every day. I'm despised. I'm hated. But guess what? I love the haters because I know they need Jesus. They don't have the savior that I have. And you cannot claim Jesus and hate your sister or brother. Didn't Jesus say that? Ain't that somewhere in the Bible? Didn't Jesus say you cannot hate your sister and brother and love me? No, you can't. No, you can't. Now, Jesus's ministry was that of a prophet. The one whom Moses said will come and tell all things. And that's in Deuteronomy 18, 15. Now, I can tell you that the, the Quran quotes scriptures from our Holy Bible. But isn't it amazing that nothing in the Holy, Holy Bible, the entire Bible, Old and New Testament quotes anything from the Quran. No, why? Because the Quran didn't exist. So we know we ain't talking about the same God. God would be crazy. He wrote the Bible that is totally contrary to what the Quran teaches. They have taken um, scriptures out of the Bible and put it in the Quran. And it's not verbatim, but you can tell that's who it was. They talk about certain prophets. They mention Moses, Abraham, Samuel. As a matter of fact, I want to digress here because we still have some time a little bit. I had a, uh, someone write me, uh, email me and ask me, was Abraham a Muslim? And I said, absolutely not. But Muslims do come from Abraham. Because you have to remember, every nationality on this planet come from one of, Ham, three, uh, one of um, Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We all come from them. And uh, Abraham, if I'm not mistaken, comes from Shem and Muslims come from Shem. But that does not mean that Abraham was a Muslim because Abraham believed on the coming of the Messiah. So he could not have been a Muslim. He could not have been. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was Yahweh or Jehovah. The Bible does not mention Allah. You know why? Because Allah is a seven century moon God. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I'm just telling you truth. I'm not sure if Muslims know that Allah is a seven century moon God. It is a cultural religion. That's why they dress the way they do. Yeah, that's why they dress the way, the way they do. It's about control. That's why they control women. To them, men, uh, women are not even fully human. They are less than a man. But not in the eyes of Jesus. We are all one in Christ. There is neither male nor female, nor Jew nor Greek nor slave, nor free. We are all one in Christ. Oh Lord, we serve a true and living God, a fair God, a just God. Hallelujah. But like I said, if you want to read about the one that Moses said was to come and that was going to tell you all things, read Deuteronomy 18, 15. He was talking about the coming of the Messiah. Okay. Now the 93 verses about Jesus in the Quran were written approximately 632 years after Jesus's earthly lifetime. These are facts. Simply put, no credible historian would use the Quran as a reliable testimony for the life of Jesus because the book, the Quran appeared 600 to 632 years after Jesus appeared. Nevertheless, Peculiar stories about Jesus from the Quran are still making their way into pop culture. These stories include, listen to this, you may have heard and may not have. These stories include the baby Jesus speaking from the cradle and Jesus creating clay birds uh, that he may come alive and fly away. My Lord, none of these stories are in the Holy Bible. Now, Muhammad put these lies about Jesus in the Quran. And the Muslims who wrote the Hadith 
put what Mohammed said about Jesus in that book. Now, I will say this. The only way Mohammed knew about Jesus is if he read the Bible. He didn't want to accept it. You know why? He wanted to be the man. He created his own God and people followed it. The Jesus that Islam paints, listen to me and listen to me good, never existed. Never existed. Notably, the Quran says that none can change the words of Allah. Now that's in Surah 6, 115 and Surah 18, 27. Yet in author Jeffrey's book, Materials for the History of the Text of the Quran, approximately 10,000 variations in the early pre-Eurythmic Quran, codices from Islamic tradition are detailed. One researcher, uh, I'm sorry, mm, I'm getting tongue-tied, y'all. One researcher detailed 900 intentional textual variants in the earliest Quran manuscripts. There is not one Quran appearing within the first 400 years of the religion that lacks textual variants. Now, 83 different regions worldwide are home to at least a thousand Muslims, each who have become Christians. And you wonder why. And they are told to stay away from the Bible. They are told that. Why? Because they're going to hear the truth about Jesus. Let me put that out there. 100 Christian churches have been planted among Muslims and over 4 million former Muslims have become Christians in the last 20 years. And my God, I hope it grows. The biggest problem in the world then is not radical Islam, but normal Christianity. The answer to the spread of global Islam is a trained church that loves and compassionately shares Jesus and him crucified for the sins of the world. Acts 4.12 tells us, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we, we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells us, That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, not holding their trespasses against them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is the word of reconciliation? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, does the Old Testament teach salvation by works? Because that's what Islam teaches their people. Now, according to Genesis 15, 6, Abraham did not buy righteousness with his works. Rather, God gave Abraham righteousness, which means right standing or acceptability before God. Abraham believed God and it counted as righteousness on his behalf. Now, the biblical message is clear and consistent in both testaments. The curse of condemnation and death that rest on everyone because of Adam's sin. Read Romans chapter five, verses 12 through 21, cannot be removed and exchanged for righteousness through any amount of good deeds that one might do. Saints, please hear me out today. The exchange can be affected only by God as a free act of his grace. His unmerited favor, that's what grace is, in response to a person's faith, Habakkuk, uh, chapter two, verse four, the just shall live 
by faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Also read uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 25 and Genesis 3, chapter 6 through 9. Now, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Meaning brag. You can't brag about work and all the works you have done. And, and, and as a result of your works, you reconciled to God. Uh-uh. Paul shot that down to the, to the Corinthian church, to the uh, church at Ephesus, to the Colossians. Uh-uh. We are saved by grace through faith and not of our works. So you can't brag about your works. Okay. Now what matters in this exchange is not the quality or degree of faith, but rather God's grace. Faith is not a means to earn acceptance with God. It's not a means to earn acceptance with God. I want you to understand the difference. Faith will cause God to move on your behalf. All right. Now, the Apostle Paul considered Abraham a model of transforming faith, even though the content of Abram's faith was different from Paul's. Abraham simply trusted God and his promise to give him and Sarah a son and then a multitude of descendants. God kept his promise to Abraham. Okay, now presumably Abraham would have supplemented God's promise here with that of Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3, trusting that his offspring would be vast not only in number but also in significance bringing blessings to the world. We are blessed through our father, Abraham. Now the content of Abraham's faith was not inconsistent with that of Paul, only less specific. Okay. If you understand what I'm saying. Also, Abraham believed what God would do and Paul believed what God had done. Okay. You understand the difference? Finally, the New Testament explains that faith itself cannot purchase or serve as the foundation for acceptance with God, contrary to what Islam teaches. Okay, only the cross of Christ can purchase our salvation, the blood of Jesus. But since the eternal and timeless God is suborned over events, he could apply the work of Christ to Old Testament believers in response to their faith. Now, even though they had no specific knowledge of Christ, but they believed God had a salvation plan for his people. Old Testament believers were saved because they believed in the coming of the Messiah thousands of years before he actually came. And because they believed God declared them righteous. No amount of work ever saved nor can save anyone today. And it did not save anyone back then. So with that said, not one Muslim is saved, nor will they ever be saved until they accept Christ as Lord and Savior of their souls. Even the creator of the religion Islam could not tell them his own people, his own followers, if he was going to, to either go to paradise when he died or heaven. Yet there are billions of people following this man's teachings. Now, let me read from the Hadith, which contains Islam religious law. Okay. Remember, I told you guys the Hadith are the oral traditions of Muhammad. His disciples and his followers wrote about him like the apostles wrote about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is in Hadith book 39, number 6769. It says, Jabir, which is J-A-B-I-R, so it's Jabir, Jabir, reported, 
I heard Allah's apostle. Now, Allah's apostle is referring to Muhammad. Okay. May peace be upon him as saying, none of you would get into paradise because of his good deeds alone. And he would not be rescued from fire. Not even I, but because of the mercy of Allah. Now, this is quoted from the Hadith, the oral traditions of Muhammad. Now, this is recorded, let me say it again, from book 39, num uh, uh, page number 6769. Now, a man that created a religion that has over a billion followers can't tell you if you or either himself is going to miss hell's fire and make it into paradise or, or shall I say heaven. Now, Jesus guarantees you a spot in heaven for an eternity. And never go to hell or the lake of fire. All you have to do is believe in him. Jesus is the savior for Muhammad. Or shall I say was the savior for Muhammad. Because it's too late for him. You can only believe in Christ and accept him as savior while you are still alive. There is no such thing as purgatory for Catholics or for Muslims or for anyone else that dies before they accept Jesus. Sorry, you have to accept Christ while you are still here. And there is no salvation for every Muslim claiming Islam because he died. And I'm talking about Jesus because he died for the sins of the entire world. And if you don't accept him, there is no other way to get to God. Everyone that does not believe in Jesus Christ, the savior of the world will be judged for their unbelief. Now go to John chapter three. We all know John three sixteen, but I will be reading uh, John chapter three, verses 16 through 18, because it is very important. Verse 18 concerning what I just said about non-believers. I'm sorry. Verse 16, John three, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved and very important for non-believers. He who believes in him, this is verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe talking about Muslims is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now this is Jesus talking. John 10, 28 says this, still in the New King James Version. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. Now man don't have a hell to send you to or a heaven to put you in. Now Jesus is guaranteeing you a spot in heaven. And guaranteeing that you will miss hell if you believe in him. Now Romans 10, 9 through 11 tells us this. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You must have both saints. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning that you know that Jesus is alive today, seated at God's right hand. You have to combine the two. You can't just confess Jesus is Lord, but don't believe he is alive because believe it or not, salvation is at the empty tomb. 
Salvation is associated with his resurrection. The cross is associated with the forgiveness of sins because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So your sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Your salvation is guaranteed when Jesus rose from the dead and the fact that you believe that in your heart. Okay, please get that saints. It is very important. And finally, go to John chapter 16. Verses 8 through 11, I, I am reading. And when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Not sins. Jesus paid the price for your sins when he died on the cross. Your adultery, your lying, your cheating, your stealing. But of sin. You will be judged for the sin of not believing in Jesus. That's the sin that's going to send you to hell. Not committing adultery last night. Not even committing murder. Because Jesus died on the cross for any sin that you have ever committed. Because the Bible says in John, 1 John, that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Murder is sin. Lying is sin. It's the same. And we all know the wages of sin is death. So it's the same. The punishment for your lies without Jesus is death. The punishment for your fornication without Jesus is death. The punishment for you murdering innocent people without Jesus is death. But with Jesus and you confess those sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, let me read verse 10 and of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. When Christ rose from the dead, he was declared completely righteous in the sight of God. This is what verse 10 is talking about. If you don't believe in him and that he is with the father, you will never be declared righteous in the sight of God. Verse 11 says, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan was judged at the cross. When his head was bruised by the heel of Jesus, when Christ rose from the dead. Remember, Satan was defeated at the cross when Christ rose from the dead because death could not contain Jesus in that ground. Satan had no idea because he can't see into the future. He had no idea that Christ was going to rise from the dead. He had no idea. He thought when Christ died on that cross, he started rejoicing. He thought that was it. But when Christ rose from the dead... He, the heel of Christ bruised the head of Satan, of Satan. My God, my God, my God. Let me tell you, salvation is in the resurrection, saint, not at the cross. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. At the cross is the forgiveness of sins. He took every punishment that you and I deserved because of our sinful lifestyles. The least we can do is confess our sins, turn away from them, allow the word of God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and live a holy lifestyle for Jesus Christ. Because he paid for every last one of our sins. He is the atonement for our sins. He is the sacrificial lamb for our sins. The least we can do is live holy saints. Now, if you are a non-believer, I know this was a lot for uh, some of you to hear. But outside of Christ, you will perish. Because there is no forgiveness of sins outside of the blood of Jesus. And if you do not accept his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, the blood that he shed 
on Calvary's cross, you will never be forgiven, saints. So if you are a non-believer, please hear me. Please understand John 3.18. Those who don't believe are condemned already. Okay, it's very clear. John 3.18 is very clear. Now, those who don't believe in Jesus are condemned. You do not have to be one of them, saints. All you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead for your salvation. You will be saved and you will be saved for an eternity. Okay, you are among billions of people who are walking dead if you do not believe in the finished works of Christ on the cross. Now, for those seeking salvation, all you have to do, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer this home, is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Not you might be, you will be saved. Now, I want to recommend an awesome book, an awesome book, a book that made me cry when I read it. It's a true story. I recommend a book written by Nabil Karisha. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but it is spelled Q-U-R-E-A-S-H. Nabil Q-U-R-E-A-S-H. It is entitled Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It was on the New York Times bestselling, uh, bestselling list. This book sold millions of copies. This awesome true story is about a devout Muslim. He was born a Muslim. Now, I could be mistaken uh, where. I think it was Saudi Arabia and Medina. I could be wrong. And he was raised a devout Muslim. And he came to America to go to school, to go to medical school. And he was housed in the dormitory with a devout Christian who didn't try to force Christianity on him, never said anything. The Christian name was David or Dave. And he tried to force Islam on Dave. And Dave would just quote a scripture and move on about his business. So one day, Nabil had a tragedy strike in his family. Nabil went to the Quran and the Hadith, which are the two major books that Muslims live by, for peace and for answers and couldn't find any. So he got on his knees and started asking God to lead him to the true God because he began to doubt that Allah even existed. He begged God. He said, I want to know the true and living God. And right there, his Christian friend Dave or David used that opportunity to share with him Jesus. And he shared scriptures of Jesus saying, come to me, all who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He read John 3:16, and my God, what happened after that? This Muslim found peace in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and who shall ever believeth in him shall not perish. And since Muslims respected Jesus as a good man, as a prophet, as a slave to Allah, or Jesus was just an apostle. They were told that he did not know these scriptures about Jesus was written in the Holy Bible, whether it's the Old Testament and the New or the New Testament. 
because the uh, Muslims are not told uh, the, to read the Bible. They are told if they're going to read, they can only read the Old Testament. They stay away from the New Testament because if they read the New Testament, they will know who Jesus really is. And with a long story short, he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and lost his entire family behind accepting Christ. His family even told him if he came back to Saudi Arabia, he would be killed. His own family, mother, father, grandfather, sisters, brothers, all turned their backs on him. Now, Nabil became a doctor. Uh, unfortunately, my brother in Christ passed away from cancer. I think it was maybe 10, 11 years ago, but he left behind this book, which led millions of Muslims to Christianity, not Christianity, because Christianity is all about Jesus. It's not about people. So this book led millions of Muslims to Christ for salvation. And once you encounter Christ, you can't shut up. And the bill praise God. I tell you, I bought the audible and the book. And I listened to the audible while I read the book and it was him narrating. And if you hear how he praised God and uh, how he praised Jesus, you, it will, you will find it difficult to believe that this man was a Muslim. And I'm not talking about no, no fly by night, uh, Muslim. I'm talking about raised in a Muslim family, raised to kill anybody who mentioned Jesus. On Netflix, if you guys haven't seen it already, there's a documentary on Netflix about Saudi Arabia and their schools and what they, they teach their male students. Um, you have to remember, women can't go to school. So in their schools, the young boys as young as, as 10, 9, 8, 7 are taught in school that all Christians must die. There was a camera snuck into the school by a journalist. He was undercover. He snuck that camera in school and recorded this. And that series is on Netflix right now. How much Muslims hate Christians. They are willing to kill their own loved one if they turn away from Allah and, and, and accept Christ. And Nabil gave up his entire family that he loved dearly for Jesus. And I'm asking you today. Are you giving up your entire family for Jesus? Well, I'm telling you it's worth it because my family is not worth going to hell for. And I will say this to you, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now with that said, saints, live Christ, love people. Take up your cross because when you follow Christ and live holy, you will be persecuted. That's taking up your cross. Endure the persecution. And with that said, saints, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially because you were blessed, you can donate from the platform you are listening on. Anchor, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and more. And contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your seed to my cash app, 
dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That's dollar sign capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We as believers walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.